Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No On the 15th of December at the Camden Powerhouse in London Town. Well, not Santa Claus, but me. Cabaret legend Lenny Beige, as I host my very special Regency Rooms Christmas Extravaganza. It's an old-school variety show with some of the names that made my club the talk of the town and some of the very best new acts working the circuit today. Plus, there might even be a household name or two thrown in for good measure. Add to that a band of world-class session players, and you've got the greatest Christmas variety show out there. There's literally no show like it. Tickets are from £25. Just visit ctickets.com. That's ctickets.com and enter Regency Rooms and get booking. Hello and welcome to the Chels. What a funny old week that's been. Smashing teams left, right, well, smashing teams in the middle of the week and then not quite smashing them at the weekend. But hey, you know, we just don't live up to being favourites. We don't like being favourites. We like being underdogs. This is a cunning way to make sure we win the title because people are going, ooh. Anyway, helping us describe and think about the underdog label. It's Mr. Andy Saunders. Oh. How are you, man? I'm all right. I'm not even going to bother telling the listeners that you're flicking V signs at me again. I mean, it, you don't know what, how hurtful that is, Andy, really. It's just, just horrible. So, it's what just character building, man. It's got to toughen you up. Toughen you oh. up for real life living out there in the countryside. When you come back to London... You know, when you stop lazing about in your country manner and actually sort of come up, it's toughening you up. 
You're in St Albans. You're not even in London, for God's sake. You're home counties, boy. <laughs> you know, I can see tough. London from my house. <laughs> yeah, well, look, we better move on. We'll come back to the underdog thing in a minute. Our guest this week is Mr Chaz Early. How are you, Chaz? Lovely to see you. Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I'm, uh, I had a long week in... I'm just back to my country mansion after a... A long week in London, so uh, I'm, I'm suffering a little bit after w- with travel fatigue. But other than that, I'm all good. Thank you. Where is your country mansion? Well, I've not long moved to Devon. Okay. I, mean, I was I was a uh, born and bred South London. Well, I still am a born and bred South Londoner, but I was still living in South London. But now, um, alas, I, well, depending on which way you look at it, I'm in the uh, the wild and woody Devon. But shouldn't you be a Beagles fan? Sorry, Eagles fan. Nah. <laughs> nah, family rule from family rule from Battersea and oh, proper uh, originally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up in Catford for my sins, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, the family rules sort of southwest London, so that's where that comes from. My son lives in Catford. Does he? Poor sod. <laughs> yes. Well, quite. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's edgy. It's edgy. It, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> yeah. They call it. I think they say. I think they say vibrant to be polite. Yeah, I, exactly. I I went to Catford once, and we ended up at this do which was being run by I think they were called the Rihelians. Got to be really careful, but they they're a firm believer that the aliens are coming. It was Ooh. one of the weirdest days of my life. Rihelians, aliens, and Catford. Well, there you go. What were you doing there? Were you filming? Oh no, no, we went to see uh, some a, a relative, but their cousin. So it was like a sort of circuitous route to see somebody but it's very strange i don't know who they are but uh once is the ideal time to go to catford really well i mm. did but i met a load of alien believers so nice which actually when you look at no let's not, i'm not going to get into dissing catford <laughs> it's, i'll do it for you if you like because yeah, no, you're local so you born can and, born and bred it, it, I, went, I went to sheffield on wednesday that's sort of country. i'm talking to chaz thank yeah, you very I'm much Andy. About, you know getting out getting out of the, the hood <laughs> we were going to get the real lowdown on Catford, and you've ruined, you've ruined the moment now, Andy. I know all about Catford. My son lives there. I don't need to, I don't need to know that. <laughs> yeah, but the world out there may not. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm uh, sorry to any any Catford dwellers out there. Fort- I mean, I did move away quite a long time ago, but uh, uh, my, my, my dad's still in the sort of in the not uh, not too far away from there, slightly nicer area, but not too far away. So I, I base myself with him when going back up for work and for the bridge mm. okay well look i'm going to give you the whole of the program to come out with one really interesting fact about catford oh i can give you one well no, I, this isn't about you andy we'll come to you for your your moment about catford later so remember it but Chaz is going to come out being a local you 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 know let let, let Chaz have his catford moment <laughs> <laughs> I can think of one, but it's, it could well be the same one that Andy knows. So let, let's Maybe face there's it, only there one. Exactly. There ain't that many. All right. I'll tell you what. Let's we'll do it. it let's get it out there. Go on then, Chaz. Give us your great facts about Catford. Well, I was going to say that um, the shooting of uh, George Cornell by Ronnie Cray was prompted by a, a gunfight a couple of nights, the night or a couple of nights before, in a club in Catford called Mr. Smith's where um, uh, 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 an associate of the craze got shot and killed um, by members of the, by, by blokes 
groups were associated with the Richardsons gang. And of course, the Richardsons were a South London gang. And in retaliation to that, or one of the reasons that uh, Ronnie then went off and had his little moment of madness in The Blind Beggar, was uh, as a result of that. Yeah, so that was that was Catford. Well, there you M- go. Mr Smith's club in Catford on, on Rushy Green. OK, and, and were members of your family involved in this? Well, my dad was a copper, uh, but I think actually at that time, that was sort of, I think that was 66, maybe 67. So uh, he might have been selling cars then. Can't remember. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, so I, I was very much on the other side of the uh, of the uh, legal, you know, boundary. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, I think it's a pretty great fact. Right, Andy. We're going My to dad was a copper as well around that sort of time. In the Good middle. Lord. Yeah, Blimey. So wow. each other. I'm feeling yeah. a bit nervy around here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll have to talk about that more. We will. Um, Spike Milligan's from Catford. He is, absolutely, yeah. And also uh, Daniel Bell Drummond, who's the captain of Kent Cricket Club. He's from Catford as well. Well, Robert Key, who played for Kent and England, went to my school, Colts. Oh. And, uh, and who else is? What was it? Oh, Bill, of course, uh, Bill Wyman is from just up the road in, um, in Hither Green. Which ah. is where I live most recently. There you go. There you go. Well, I, I that's, that's love, more than enough facts, surely. It's I, I, it's unbel- It's almost Onto worth thinking about yes. writing a book. <laughs> um, but I, my my only th- connection with any of your stories, apart from the alien believers, um, is the Richardson family, ah. because I know the good side of the family. Mm-hmm. Who are butchers in Bethnal Green? Oh, there you go. There you go. So when you say there. butchers. <laughs> well, you know, sorting out the bodies. What else could you mean? <laughs> I was to interpretation. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Honestly, a very fine pork pie they made. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Well, look, that's us sort of with our feet under the table, as it were. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose before we get abuse on people social tu- media, we people may... tuned out already, haven't they? Well, no, no, no. There'll, there'll be people go. I can't believe they're talking rubbish again. And other people go. I love it when they talk rubbish. So you know, you can't Sorry, please God. everyone. So we're going to now switch allegiance and please the football listeners. All right. So let let's go back to last week. Champions League pressure was on in certain ways that we needed to get a result. Make sure we finished in the top two. Juventus were coming to town. We'd had a very strange sort of anemic performance at times in in Turin, although it was kind of symptomatic of what happens quite a bit in a lot of our games this season, whereby, and last season, where we control games, but then don't quite get to the nitty gritty and score the goals. So, Andy, let, let's move on to you. Mm. What did you think of the side? And would you like to tell us about the side that he put out? Well, there weren't a huge amount of surprises in it. Um, we no, knew for a that, change, there weren't, were there? No, I mean, Kai Havertz, we knew, was injured. Uh, Timo uh, was on the bench. Uh, Lukaku uh, was also um, on the bench. Um, neither were deemed fit enough to start. Uh, Mendy in goal, back three of uh, Trevor Chalaba, Thiago Silva and Rudiger. Uh, James and Chilwell as the full-backs. Uh, Kante and Jorginho as the double-six in the middle, uh, with Ziyech and Hudson-Odoi uh, sitting behind Pulisic as the false nine. So that was probably the only, um, you know, the only sort of surprise really was no recognised striker, but I guess that was enforced rather than planned. So, yeah, so the side looked as though it could do a job. Um, what did you think, Chaz? Were you happy with the side that was picked? Well, as Andy says, I don't think there was an awful, there wasn't a massive amount of options um, in terms of players who had actual fitness and, and match, fit, match fitness. 
But, you know, the side really surprised me, actually. I was slightly concerned to be playing, you know, a side as eminent as Juve and and be playing uh, with a lineup that was a little bit uh, patchwork. Um, but, I mean, I, I thought we dominated from... I say we dominated from start to finish. We were the better side from start to finish. And in the second half, we utterly dominated them. And I think, um, I think there was something like 21 attempts at goal. So, you know, it was... Uh, it was a phenomenal performance, and it was it was just so typical Chelsea that um, we go on on Saturday with a you know a pretty similar lineup, arguably a more um, conventional lineup, and against a team in in worse form, and we couldn't we couldn't do anything like the same level of performance. Yeah, I mean it, it, we'll get to the United game in a bit, but um, but yeah, I mean Andy, do you think somebody I want to just talk about? Um, quickly because I, I think he's becoming part of the ferment. We've mentioned him in the last few weeks, but he, apart from one stray pass against United, somebody who's really impressing me is Trevor Chalabar. He, he seems to be rising to the occasion and l- doesn't look nervy. We've seen players grow into their position in the squad, but he does seem as though he's really found his feet now, don't you think, Andy? He's an amazing story, Trevor Chalabar. You know, when you think back to uh, last season when nobody really knew who he was. You know, he'd been out on loan to Ipswich, to, you know, to various other places, uh, been out in France. Um, got himself battle-hardened, as we've, we've said before, by, by playing a lot of football. But I don't think anybody could see him coming back and playing at this level of football, certainly for us. So it was really quite a masterstroke from Tuchel. I think on a par with um, bringing in Victor Moses for Conte. Similar sort of thing, really. You know, a sort of you know person out in the cold comes back in, establishes themselves in the team. I think he's been brilliant. You know, he's keeping out some serious talent in Christensen. He's keeping out Aspilicueta at the moment. He's you know he's he's uh, definitely doing a job. I think his height is a real asset. Um, he's great with the ball at his feet. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not stopped learning. I think there's things for him that he could, his positional play could be a little bit better. But I think that generally he's really looking the part, as you say. Chaz, I mean, for you, I mean, one thing I'm finding about a lot of the younger players that are coming through, and I don't mean just at Chelsea, but there seems to be a different kind of mentality where you don't hear of anything other than good things about a lot of the youngsters that are around at the moment. And a lot of the Chelsea youngsters really seem to only be interested in getting better as a footballer, just because they've got in the side. None of them, when you hear them in interview, seem anything other than humble, do they? They do seem to have, you know, it's it's a good bunch with a, and they've all seen, they all seem to be terribly level-headed. There was a really interesting uh, interview in the Times on Saturday with Jody Morris talking about uh, the players that he sort of, that he was involved with at the youth level, um, and that included, uh, obviously, Mason Mount and Chalabar. And um, he was, you know, he was, he's been so quick to sort of talk about Neil Bath and talk about how everyone that's come through seems to have really have their feet on the ground and want to learn. And it, they've also, they're also coming into a group, I think, um, who were already in quite a good place, I think, under Frank. There was, it, it was, there was quite a good team spirit, quite a good vibe, uh, and quite a good there seemed to be quite a good, uh, a real desire to learn and improve amongst them all. And I think that's only really increased under Tuchel. And I th- and it's what's absolutely clear to all the young players at the club now is that there are opportunities there if you if you have the nous 
uh, and the ability and the um, the the wherewithal in terms of application to take them. So um, yeah, I mean, and he's he's a perfect example of that. I mean, he, he's really not, you know, he's he's really not wasted a moment, has he? Uh, the, uh, he's still got a mistake in him, as Andy says. He's still learning, but um, I think there's, uh, I think he gave the ball away. In fact, to that. Um, it was him giving the ball away that led to uh, Maratta's chance that uh, Silver cleared off the line, but um, you know he he has he's really blossomed and 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 as also as Andy said, it, I mean he was he was hardly on my radar. I was I, I knew I knew of his existence, but he was hardly on my radar before this this season at all. No, well, that, I mean that's it, isn't it? As, as Andy says, you know the the one person we probably didn't think of possibly even coming close to being thought about or even get maybe a chance in a pre-season friendly with him. So it, it, it was quite incredible. But, I mean, he is one of those players that seems to just understand what it is to be a footballer. And, and of course, he got us off on the, on the scoring path against Juventus. And it was a tidy finish, wasn't it, Andy? It was. And, you know, he's not on the pitch to score goals, but he took it absolutely brilliantly. Just one just one note about that defence. Um, that was uh, that was Tuchel's 50th game in charge of Chelsea. We've conceded only 24 goals in those 50 games, which is incredible. It's a record. It's a record in, in for a manager in charge of a British club. Um, Chalab has been a big part of that, and you have to give him credit. And, and all the other people that have, that have been in that defence throughout that period. Um, I think it's clear, and we'll probably mention it when we come on to talk about United, that if we do go on and win things this year, our defence will be a huge part of that. Now, that's an obvious thing to say, but we are so far away and ahead of any other team when it comes to defending at the moment. And what was really interesting about both the Juve game and the United game was the pressing. Our pressing is amazing all over the pitch. And I think you've got to put that down to Tuchel. You've got to put that down to him getting the players you know, sort of fired up and organised enough and motivated enough to just keep running and just keep pressing and not give players any time on the ball. And any mistakes that have come or any times... Any, any time that, um, you know, we have conceded, it's usually been self-inflicted, you know. And, uh, you know, if we can get cut that element of our game out, then players like Chalaba, Silva, Rudiger, Christensen, Azpilicueta and the others that have played back there are going to be a major, major part of our success. And I bet. Course. Yeah, and, and for anyone who was wondering what's going on, Chaz is just sorting out his dinner, I think, at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and going on about the defence, I mean, for me, one of the most magical moments of the season was that Thiago Silva clearance. I mean, it was just one of the most incredible, thoughtful things for a, a defender to do. When he knows that he's been caught out, he knows all he needs to do is to stand a chance of saving Chelsea is to just burn past the keeper, not worry about the tackle. And that clearance, I mean, he was there like about an hour early. It was quite incredible. And to kick it to the side as well. I mean, most defenders would be trying to get it and scoop it over the bar. I can it give was... him no higher praise than to say it was peak Ashley Cole. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd go with that. <laughs> I, was, I, 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 would, I would actually say, and also peak Thiago Silva. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. The stretch was incredible. I mean, it would have been terrible if he'd have hurt himself doing it, which it looked like he might have done for a minute, but but he didn't, you know. I mean, his, yeah. eyes, his eyes never left the ball uh, once once it had 
he saw that Morata was making, you know, trying to flick it over Mendy. His eyes never left the ball and his focus was absolutely incredible. A friend of mine um, went on the Legends Tour uh, a couple of days ago and with uh, Pat Nevin. And I don't think... With we part, aye. And I don't think uh, Pat would mind if he said, uh, if we told you that he said that he thinks uh, Thiago Silva is the best ball-playing central defender we've ever had as well. I mean, I, I would I, I, that, I think that might be a little bit harsh on Marcel Desailly, but uh, I think... Hey, John Terry you know, was pretty good as well. Well, he was, he was. I mean, he, he liked the more uh, industrial uh, clearance, did it, uh, JT? And God well, bless him he was that. a very good player with the ball at his feet, I mean, JT. I just think, well, we just had that goal competition, haven't we, on... on, um, on uh, on the Chelsea website, the, you know, the greatest goal under Abramovich. And I voted for that Ashley Cole goal. Did you? Where, yeah. Uh, yeah, where John, where JT chipped the ball over the top and absolutely put it on a plate for him. And I, I still think if, um, this is going on a tangent a bit, but I still think if that had been Bergkamp who'd scored that goal, they'd be showing it, you know, every other week on on uh, Football Focus and stuff. Anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Yeah, don't worry about going we... off on tangents, by the way. That's the, we're all about that, aren't we, Kevin? Yeah, we, uh, yeah don't some... keep it on a straight and narrow, whatever uh, you do. I mean, we've had, some tre- we've had some tremendous... I think the point we're making there, and say if if, it, if Pat thinks this is it's all right by me, is that we've had some tremendous uh, centre-halves, and he's just a Rolls-Royce, isn't he? He's just yeah, right up there amongst it, them. It, it was absolutely splendid, and I think that, you know, there was a there was a moment where you were kind of... First of all, you were going, oh, no, anybody but him, you know, when Morata did it. It was like, please don't let him score. And then that other sort of breathtaking moment of that clearance was it was just remarkable and I think that moments like that are really really why you go to football you know the goals the goals are you know are are clearly the the you know the the huge adrenaline boost but clearances like that moments like that where you avert disaster are just just for me just as thrilling yeah and to be fair you you know they always say that the art of defending is almost lost these days it's not the same and there you saw that that is as you say, as good as a goal. For me, it's as good as a Higita scorpion kick. It's as memorable, isn't it? Those sort of things. Because And there's that beautiful photo where you just see him concentrating, but he's obviously just turning his foot because he knows he's got there in time and he pushes it to the side. It's sublime. It really yeah, is. It's as good as stuff. any goal. Yeah, no, and, and I, it's a cliche as well, but, you know, he's 38 years old now. And, and the old cliche, they used to apply it to Teddy Sheringham, wasn't it? First 10 yards were in his head. And he just has that supernatural ability to foresee these things and read the game in such a way that, as you said, Chaz, he's there hours before, or Kerry, you said it. It's, it's there hours before, it, you know, before, before, you know, he's needed, really. And it was brilliant. Yeah, and to be fair... You, could, you can't compare him to Teddy Sheringham because he played for a couple of horrible clubs. But uh, that's, that's another matter. But, but yeah, I mean, and then the, the rest of the game, it seemed like that was kind of a deflating moment for Juventus. That would have brought him back in the game. And then you get Reese and Callum, again, academy boys, coming through and scoring those goals in such quick succession. And it, it just... What a tonic. I mean, Reese James, unbelievable season. And Callum, we've been seeing the better of him now over these last few games. He's getting a run. Um, how did you see that panning out there with those two, Chaz? Um, I didn't really see... Uh, I, I, I thought Callum Hudson-Odoi might have played his last game for Chelsea when we started the season. Um 
I mean, I think he probably always he probably argue that what he needed to do was show was was be given um, the confidence boost of of knowing he was going to be selected for a run of games, uh, and then he would be able to show his consistency and more what he was able to do. I mean, he he has been, and I think it's probably down to that. For me, he's been markedly improved. I have to say, I thought uh, moving uh, jumping ahead in the conversation again. I think he was. Uh, a little, maybe a little off the boil yesterday, um, or some of his decision making was, or, or he wanted a little bit too much time on the ball. Um, but I, th- you know, we've got a very gifted young player there, and I think he's growing. In, the more confidence is is shown in him, the more he shows confidence on the pitch. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And then, then of course, we ended up um, with that. Uh... Amazing strike from Timo Werner <laughs> from a couple of yards. But it was great to see him get on the pitch and get a goal. Um, we'll talk about Timo at greater length when we come on to the United game. But that that was the icing on the cake, wasn't it, Andy? Because that was also... Dunno, I didn't the... see it. Didn't you? No. Uh, just going back one... one. I'll come to all that in a second. Um, okay. Just going back one second, you talked about uh, Juventus being deflated. I think we were pretty deflated when Ben Chilwell did his ACL. I, I was mean, going to get onto that last. Absolute disaster for us, I think. You know, the form that boy was in, you know, to suffer an injury that's going to keep him out maybe the whole season is an absolute disaster. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Sorry if I stole your thunder on that. No, totally. I, didn't, I, I had didn't this see huge it. eulogy lined up. I mean, I can't do it now. I had, to, go, I had go. to catch a train after that. So I mentioned that I went to Sheffield and I had to catch a train. I had to catch the last train from London St Pancras to go to Sheffield at five past 11. So I, I left five minutes before the end, like a massive plastic. Plastic and uh, was, wa- was walking up the Fulham Road when uh, when I heard the roar uh, for Timo's goal. But by then we were we were well and truly home and hose. But yeah, great to see him on the score sheet coming back and, and getting in the team. And, um, you know, it was a, a, all in all rounding off a very convincing victory. Andy, it, I've done that because, of course, I have to make sure I... I never do it. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole no, new experience for me. I haven't done but, it for about 20 years. But it only happens very occasionally. But what does it feel like? Can you describe the feeling when you're walking up the road? Because all I ever do is thinking, just be quiet, just be quiet. Don't want to hear anything. <laughs> and then that roar goes up and you go, oh, no, I've I think missed it, a... it would have been worse if it had been a tight game. It would have been worse if, if, I, if I'd have had to leave and it was on a knife edge and then I didn't know what the roar was. Um, but the fact that, you know, you're thinking, well, that's another one. We, we were so dominant in that second half. It could only have been a Chelsea goal. So it was pretty much a shrug of the shoulders, really, which is, well, that's good. Let's move on. Easy next. Yeah, but I mean, as you say, going back to what you said about uh, Chilwell, um, we've seen such brilliant perseverance and commitment from Ben Chilwell. He's had a very strange year. You know, he gets in the side, wins the Champions League, goes away with England, doesn't play. Comes back to Chelsea, doesn't play. Gets his place back and he becomes a different level player for me. They obviously... Tuchel, we're seeing this with Tuchel. Tuchel takes players out of the team and keeps them on the sidelines for a while. And I think he must be working with them or getting them working on certain things. Because invariably, once a player's been out for a while, they often come back and look a better player. And I I just feel so sorry for Chilwell because I think everyone was going, oh my God, he is the best left back in the country at the moment. And for him to go, 
compounded with Kante as well. And we, they're keeping very quiet on how that is. I'm hoping that's not too bad. But, but Chaz, I mean, it's awful when you see these things happen. And we don't know now with Chilwell whether he's going to be out till the new year or for a year. I mean, it couldn't have been a worse person for it to happen to based on current form, really. I mean, well, him or Reese, really, I suppose. Um, uh, it, it was. It, it is a crushing blow for us. And I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that, you know, a run of games will bring Marcus Alonso again up to the sort of standard he was at the beginning of the season. I mean, I, I, I did, I tweeted uh, during the um, uh, Super, uh, Super Cup final, uh, um, who is this person we got wearing Marcus Alonso's shirt and uh, playing brilliantly? I mean, he, he can be, obviously he has, he has some great days as Marcus and, um, you know, I do love a lot of his contribution, but I, I think it's, he would need to go some to uh, match the sort of the level and uh, the form and the contribution that, that Ben Chilwell has been giving recently. So yeah, it was a, it's a tremendous blow and it, it, it's horrible to see an injury like that to anyone. And, you know, even more so it, when it's a head in the hands type player, Oh my God, we're not losing him. Are we? Um, and as I mean, you years say, ago, years ago, that, that would have been a career ending, yeah, ending, ending injury. And these days, medical science is such that he should come back and be fine. I, I always have a slight doubt when that injury happens about whether players come back as the same player. You know? I mean, they've been talking about not, not needing surgery. And I, I, you know, this is kind of like a, as you say, if, if, you know, not probably twenty years ago, that would have been that would have been Ben Saunders all over again. Well, absolutely, yeah, and, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, you know all the signs sound good, and they say that he physically has responded to uh, his body has responded to getting the injury very well. So uh, you know, touch wood, he'll come back and he'll come back stronger, and he what they won't rush him back because I think that would be you know that would be a bad idea. Um, but yeah, very sorry to lose him. I, I, I hope what you were saying, Kerry, about Tuchel having people on the sidelines and working with them and improving them. I mean, I hope that's the case. I, I don't know if it is. I don't know if he just had maybe uh, maybe he came back with a little bit of uh, from from his long summer where admittedly he didn't play, but he would have been involved a lot um, in the Euros, and maybe he did come back a little bit jaded from that. But um, but maybe you're right, and I, I really do hope it's the case. There's one or two players that. I'm not sure I would agree the same thing has happened when they've had to come back in. But again, I, I could be wrong about that. And maybe they just take a little bit more time to warm their way into it. I'm thinking of one of our players who uh, has come back from injury recently and not shown the level that he was showing um, again. You sort can of name like names. At the beginning of the season. Hakim Ziyech. I, okay, I, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him in the second part of the show. And actually, we should actually cut to the break and then we'll come back and we'll go through the Man U game. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean... And more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at Cooler.com. Dot bike or 
Find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Okay, so let's go to the United game. Andy, um, how did you see this uh, and the side that he put out? What was your view, your well, initial thought? I mean, I, you know, earlier in the week when we did the preview show, I, I, I figured this wouldn't be too tough a task, you know, the state that United were in, the absolute crisis that we're in, basically, having to sack their manager uh, with a with an interim in, sort of an interim for the interim in, um, just not playing well, heads down, you know, us coming off the back of a 4-0 win, you know, and a, you know, decent results. I just I just couldn't see a problem with this. And when I saw the team, you know, which was Mendy in goal, Chalaba, Silva and Rudiger once again, unchanged, uh, James, uh, Alonso coming in for the injured Chilwell. Uh, Kante, unfortunately, uh, with a knocks, a loftus cheek coming in, but I didn't think that was a bad thing uh, next to Jorginho. And then uh, Timo Werner getting his first start for a while with uh, Ziyech and Hudson-Odoi behind him, uh, both of them getting another run out. You know, I looked at that team and I thought, well, that's enough. That should be absolutely fine. And, you know, we started perfectly well and bossed the game early doors. Yeah, but there's something about United. I, I hadn't realised we haven't beaten them in the league for four years, mm. um, and, and they were a bit. We, they were a bit of a sort of a bunny for us for a long time, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, th- there was just something about them. You always worry about new manager coming in. He wasn't even there, and they'd already seemed to look. They came for me. They came with a one-goal policy. Their idea was a bit like a Burnley or whatever, or a you know a lesser team come to Chelsea, pack the defence. And just maybe you'll get something out of a mistake or a breakaway, might get a goal, and then they try and hold on. Yeah, listen, let, let, me, let me just cut to the chase here, right? They were pitiful. They were a pitiful Manchester United side. They put 10 men behind the ball. They wasted time from the off. There was no attack, 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 their famous, you know, sort of mantra. They were rubbish. It was just one horrific individual mistake which I'm you know happens it happens I'm not down on Jorginho for it happens one horrific individual mistake cost us two points beyond that they didn't have anything anything at all so I'm not going to have anything about new manager bounce or anything like that they were terrible we gave them two points end of no I I don't think that's fair on them they were totally fair Kerry They they were pitiful but they just put everyone behind the ball. Yeah, which but makes we had chances that we didn't take. It's not as if yeah, they were, sure. you know, remarkably brilliant in defence. They didn't we defend had well. Probably four but... or five really decent chances. One of those goes in, we all walk out with a spring in our step. You yeah, know, and exactly. it's the fact that we didn't take our chances. That's nothing to do with them. That's on us. No. no, but they made it so difficult. And you're right. We saw the old habits, and we mentioned it a couple of times with all the goal scorers we have all season, you know, that we've got 15 different scorers. We've scored X amount of goals. We still miss an awful lot of goals considering the amount of chances we create. And, you know, you have to take them when a team is behind the ball like United are and we're just filling space, weren't they? That you've got to take them. Um, What do you think about that, Chaz? How much of a problem is this? And how much do you think possibly... A, there's two things out of this. One, that possibly we played the wrong front three. And two, did we make our substitutions too late in oh, the game? I was screaming at the bench, you know, for, uh, for fat lot of good it would have done from my uh, spot in the MHL. Um, I, I was screaming for changes to be made from 
60 minutes onwards, maybe even before that, maybe even after the goal. Um, cause it just, it hadn't been working and I figured, um, he was going to give it 10 minutes, see the lie of the land, and then possibly look at substitutions around the 55 minute hour mark. And I, I couldn't understand, particularly after we'd gone behind and nothing really very much changed, um, why he wasn't making those changes earlier, because I think there were just a few players off it. I'm not being, I, I don't want to be, you know, overly critical of, of anybody, but, um, uh, there was, I mean, some of the decision making, some of the first touches weren't as good as they normally are. Some of the decision making, um, uh, there was a, a couple of people really felt like they needed too much time in the ball. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Hakim Ziyech, I'm looking at Ruben Loftus Cheek. I thought some of, uh, I think uh, Callum took a couple of touches too many in a couple on a couple of occasions. You know, he could he could well have scored fairly early doors and perhaps should have done. Uh, and that sort of set set the tone for the game. So I was absolutely stunned that the that the changes didn't come till whatever it was, seventy seven minutes or something like that. And and there was a real change. Uh, you know, Mason Mount's, Mount's first touch was, was impeccable, and um, I thought he brought so much more kind of intelligence and um, and Pulisic played a part in in yeah, cheering him up. He and did. Actually I mean, got he was the playing... best best pass out of Hakim Ziyech I've seen this season. Yeah, fair that enough. little reverse inside pass was yeah. incredible. I mean, Andy, how did you view that? I wasn't so down on Ziyech as you were. I thought Ziyech had good no. moments in the game. I, I, I genuinely did. I thought Ruben lost his cheek, looked gassed at the end. He looked exhausted. And, you know, those kind of slight worries about his stamina um, sort of rose, rose their head again a little bit, you know. Um, I thought he had a, a, an OK game. I think you're right, Chaz. I think he probably dwelt on the ball a little bit too much. He wasn't snapping into the passes as... As he might have done, I thought um, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi was a little bit polite. I think I would have liked to have seen him with a bit more swagger, uh, word, a little polite. more t- t- tenacity. Um, Timo Werner was the issue yesterday, really. You know, I've been a huge supporter of his. You know, ask my son. You know, I'm almost rose-coloured spectacles when it comes to Timo. It will happen. I like what he does. I like his energy. I like what he brings. I like the chaos that he brings um, to the front line. But... You know his finishing yesterday was was dreadful, and um, I, I don't think he had a had a good game at all. You know what we've got to realise as well when it comes to substitutions. I mean, I was with you as well, Chaz, as well. I was, you know, wanted those substitutions on sixty minutes, but they didn't come. You know, Mason Mount, by all accounts, lost a lot of weight when he, uh, you know, when he has wisdom teeth out. You know, so so he's still coming back to that kind of full fitness because obviously losing the weight, you lose the, you know, you lose the energy. So so that that was an issue. Pulisic, I, I'm surprised he didn't come on earlier because by all accounts he's fit now. He's the one. That that I definitely uh, would have bought on earlier. Um, you know, Havertz was on the bench, but I think he was only bench warming. I don't think he was ever going to come on. You know, Lukaku, we know, you know, that was his first game back for, you know, for, for six or seven games uh, after a fairly nasty injury. You're not going to take a chance on Saul in a game like that. You know, we know that he's just not worked out. He's too ponderous in midfield. If, if Ruben Loftus-Cheek was a bit ponderous, he would have been worse. Uh, Ross Barkley, I mean, he might have been an option. You know, so, so I think you're right. I would have liked to have seen subs, but it wasn't an easy gimme, I don't think, the subs thing. I mean, but you're right, they made an impact when they came on. Yeah, and for me, I, 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 would, have said, I would have said that the subs that he brought on, probably were the right ones, I just think they should have been earlier. I agree. Um, I, the, the, okay, there's two things I want to focus on, and not for overly long. One is the Jorginho mistake. My, my thinking is, mistakes happen. But the actual real question is, 
Why was he the last man? Well, I said that on Twitter. Absolutely. And I can't, oh, I'm sorry. I don't read your Twitter feed daily. Yeah, you do. I don't. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> you said it's cut like, and paste, like cut holy and paste. writ for Chelsea fans, Kerry. No, you're you right, really though, should. Kerry. You're absolutely right. You know, you're right. Go ahead, because it's, it's a really important point. Yeah, I think okay. he should. I think he. Sh- I don't think he should have been the last man. I mean, and, and you know, and, and everyone around me was saying, "Why was he? Why were we relying on him? Who's not not the fastest, not the best tackler, certainly not a header of the ball? Um, why was he? Why was he the the man stood on the halfway line?" There's, I mean, there's it, an old, you know, if you've ever managed kids football, right? You know, which I have, and um, you know, you know, you know, you, you know, you're always kind of drilled and trained and sort of coached to leave two fullbacks back that's you know because they've got a little bit of pace and and they're essentially defensive players so you'll either you leave either one or two fullbacks place ideally two you know fullbacks back um, but of course you've got Reese James and Alonso standing over the free kick so they're otherwise occupied you know they're because one's a left foot and one's a right foot they're both dangerous deliverers of the ball so you've got to ask the question why were they delivering the ball in that situation. What you've also got, though, is Callum Hudson-Odoi on the edge of the box, basically doing nothing. So why wasn't he back? Because you've got, essentially, and I'm sure this is what you were going to say, Kerry, you've got a player with absolutely no pace and and not a great defensive mentality as your last man for a break. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And the point is, never mind the fact he makes a mistake. Players make mistakes. Because apparently it came out the lights, didn't it? That's, that, that was the excuse. Well, whatever. It just, it, things happen sometimes. But even he gave up after about a millisecond going, well, there's no way I'm ever going to catch him. He's not catching Sancho, is he? No have, the right, have the right player there in the first place. And, you know, a mistake is less likely to happen, I think. And that's no disrespect to Jorginho. It's just not his strength. You know, I, think, I think nine times out of ten he would have probably pulled that down out of the air. You know, totally, you know. yeah. That, or, but, or headed it away. I think not, but, I mean, he's a he's a good player on the ball. He's not he's not a panicker. I just think you know Tuchel and him both said that he lost it in the lights. Well, maybe yeah, you know. And yeah. but the thing is, mistakes do happen. It was a horrific individual mistake, but it does happen. What what wasn't acceptable was the amount of abuse he got from oh. the people around me. And I was just like, come on. You know, I mean, this player has been brilliant this year. You know, he was brilliant in the Champions League final. You know, why are you giving him abuse? Everybody makes mistakes. I don't come round your workplace when you make a mistake and yell obscenities at you. You know, I mean, what does that solve? What does it solve, you shouting yeah. abuse at a player like that when he makes a exactly. mistake? There is something that's quite interesting as well. What he was trying to do was quite a clever little touch to get the ball back into play. And we do play under Tuchel slightly risky moments in our own half to try and ping the ball through into an attacking option straight away. And look, he tried it. Yeah, I fully believe the lights didn't help, all of that. He would normally, if he wasn't in a Chelsea side, would probably just take it down, trap it, have a look round, pass it back to the keeper. But he was trying to get something flowing, knowing that there were so many players ahead of him, to work it so he gets the ball and plays it forward. And we play high risk at times. And that's going to happen. You're going to make a mistake. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry it happened, but... I mean, Edward Mendy was lucky, player. wasn't he? How many times did he give oh. the ball away? You know, I mean, what's happened Mendy, to him suddenly? He's given three, three terrible passes. I mean, the one that went out, the, you know, to Fred that he just luckily just chipped back into Mendy's hands. You know, that was an absolute shocker. But you know, mistakes do happen, particularly when you're playing <laughs> at that level. But high risk. You know, one of those goals goes in. 
you know, Rudiger at the back post, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, you know, anything like that. One I'm of those goes in. It. We all walk out, you know, singing our heads off and, you know, and, and gesticulating the Man United fans all have their heads in their hands. You know, they go away thinking they've, they've basically won the league after that game. And, you know, we go out there with two points dropped and they're the margins that we're talking about. So there's no point abusing individual players at the level of what I heard yesterday. No, absolutely. I'm, I mean, you, you know, the, the, the last, last thing you've mentioned, Rudiger, it's a shame it didn't go in, but they either, you know, rifle touch, the net. Take a touch. Yeah, anything. You know, but it's the wrong man in the right place. Chilwell would have buried that, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben, ben he would have done, done that, wouldn't it. he? Alonso yeah, would have buried it, wouldn't he, if he'd have been there? Well, Reese James was over that side of the pitch because uh, he'd moved to left. left do you think Rudiger uh, thought, back? goal of the season there, going to volley it in, just Hollywood? <laughs> do, you think he, did his, do you think his eyes just lit up? Yeah. Well, having totally. at the bar as well, I suppose, earlier in the game, he was, you know... <laughs> he, he was just desperate to get that, that glory moment. Can somebody just... once, somebody, somebody said earlier in this season, I can't remember who it was, somebody said on social media, he said, if one of these Hollywood goals, like these, you know, long runs and then a 30-yard yeah. screamer goes in, Rudiger's just going to literally keep running and run out the stadium and never come back. He's just going to just, arms aloft, just run straight out the stadium, up the Fulham Road and go home, never come back. Because he's been trying it for how long now to do that? Why well, that'll happen in? when he doesn't sign a contract. He might, he might as well. He'll have earned his money then, wouldn't he? That would be it. He'd be a yeah. legend. That would be his legendary moment. But can we just go back to Werner for a second, though? Because if you let think... me, I will take you there. Excellent. Go on then, <laughs> Chaz. I'd like to just go back to Timo Werner. Um, <laughs> do you think we are ever going to be in a position where we can rely on him as a player? Um, I just think we are a team that are currently not uh, ever going to really be getting his, I think his strength, he, he he's uh, on the last shoulder of a defender of a team who are pushing up and trying to play an attacking game against us. And, you know, we do come across those teams every now and then, but in the main uh, teams are going to do exactly what Burnley did, exactly what Manchester United did and sit back and not give him space to play, not allow him to use his pace, not allow him to pull people out, out of the way and uh, set other people free. So he did look like the wrong choice for that game yesterday. Um, but who knew uh, that, I suppose we only knew at the same time that he'd already been picked, that um, they were going to play three defensive midfielders and part of the bus. Um, I, I yeah, d- but I d- even still, he's a striker. If you get chances, you bury him. Yeah, we can't think- just say he'll only score running goals. Look, we're not you know? going no, to win. We're not going to, to 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 win a significant amount of games with him as the only striker. You know, and and at RB Leipzig, he wasn't the only striker. No, and he you know, shouldn't. I think, he I think shouldn't be our number nine. He shouldn't no, be he playing shouldn't. at the, the forefront right. of the attack. Exactly, and I think if Lukaku is in the middle, if he's got a central striker in the middle, someone he can play off. Then I think, as you know, as a front two or part of a front three, I think we'll really see the best of him because we know he he gets a lot of assists. We know he causes chaos. I've mentioned it already in this podcast. You know, he gets there, he gets in and about, he pulls players out of position. It's just his finishing that's an issue. You know, he can't finish for Toffee. I mean, yesterday he had an amazing chance, which you know, two chances. Yeah, one where he's somehow hit it with the outside of his foot, and it wrong foot, wasn't it? Well. Yeah, wrong foot, and the other one where just he got in the way of Zia. It was just like you know, it's just like, come on, you've just got to be ruthless. I just think he's probably a bit too nice but as a support role as playing off the main striker yeah, I, I think he can do a job and I also think he's um, you know he is of course 
himself coming back into the team. I know he, he, he played well and scored a goal uh, midweek, but he himself is coming back into the team as well and possibly needs to play himself in a little bit more. But yeah, that, that's it. He's not he's not a fulcrum striker. He's not a, a, you know, a bustling number nine who's going to play a big centre-forward role. And I think just, as you say, just off pulling people, pulling defenders out and allowing people to come into the spaces is where he excels. And I just think he's got to find his shooting boots a bit more. That's all. There's just not enough goals in the, in in those in those players. I mean, Mason Mount no. isn't chipping in with enough goals. Ziyech is, and Hudson Odoi is, and you know our goals are coming from our fullbacks. I mean, that tells you something. I mean, it's amazing that it is. But you know, until we get that, you know, I hate to say it, but you know that equivalent of Mar- Mane, Firmino, Salah, unless we get you know that type of attack going forward um, you know we're going to have to rely massively on our amazing defence I mean all, all those teams would love our defence our, our defence is, is keeping us at the top of the table at the moment but ultimately you know we need some of these players to properly consistently kick in with goals and hopefully when Lukaku's back you know he can provide the you know the, the you know the, the lift off for that yeah, let's let's see how it goes. Right, look, we're just about out of time and we've got two little things we really must talk about. One is we must look forward to Watford away this week, so it'll be a very quick prediction. And firstly, just a quick mention to a cup we've never won, the Club World Cup, Andy. Are you excited? The draw's been made, hasn't it? And all the little teams have a little kick around and then... Try and meet us in the semis. Are you excited, Mr. Saunders? Uh, uh, excited. I, I'll, I'll probably be excited. Um, you know when we, you know when we actually play. It's taking place between February the third and February the twelfth in the Middle East. Um, we found out today that we will be playing either Al Jazeera, not the TV station, but the team, uh, Al Hilal or Auckland City from New Zealand. Uh, we go straight in at the semi-final uh, phase. So if we beat. Any of those three teams, I think it's probably nailed on that we're going to play Palmeiras uh, in in the final. Um, one of those ones, I think when it's happening, I'll be excited, but I'm not massively looking forward to it. It just seems like a huge distraction at a very important time, if I'm honest. We're going to have to reschedule the Arsenal and Brighton games uh, around it, which might be a bit of a fixture pilot. Uh, one good thing is that, of course, we'll have Mendy back for uh, the Arsenal and Brighton games because the Africa Cup of Nations will be finished. So, you know, you give one hand, you take away with another. Who knows? I mean, it will be nice to... Uh, uh, to win the cup, because as you said earlier, Chaz, you can't sing "We've Won It All" unless we've won it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my view on it. <laughs> that one's still to be struck off. Yeah. All right, Chaz. Um, lastly, we're going to go to Watford this week, um, and of course, don't forget, everyone, join us later in the week when the three of us will be discussing West Ham away, which is a nasty old game. But there you go, Chaz. Watford away. What's your quick thought and prediction for that game? Well, bearing in mind that I was Nostradamus when it came to the Southampton uh, League Cup game, I said it would be a one-all draw. We went on pens. I think this will be a 2 0 away win. Lovely. Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, that Man United anomaly aside, where they smashed Man United 4-1, um, you know, they lost to Leicester yesterday. Before that, they lost to Arsenal. They lost to Southampton. They lost to... Uh, they beat Everton, but they lost to, to Liverpool. Um, you know, they're, they're not the greatest side. Uh, they have their moments. They can be tricky on the break. Uh, we're going to have to sort that out. I think with Chaz, it should be fairly comfortable. I'm going to say 3-0. Cool, blimey. Okay, I am going to go... For a 1-0, Timo Werner, 89th minute goal. God, I hope not. 
<laughs> That'd be hell, wouldn't it's it? Absolute hell. Yeah. yeah, me too. All right. Well, look, uh, thanks ever so much, as always, uh, Andy, of course, and Chaz. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to join <laughs> us later in the week uh, when Andy will still be flicking V signs at me because he's a very, very rude man. But that's it for now. We will speak about West Ham towards the end of the week. All right. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.